Welcome, welcome everyone. Welcome back to my channel. My name is Tabitha Richardson and this is the Realtor Success Strategies Podcast. I gotta get used to saying that. But anyway, welcome back to my channel. Today, we're going to be talking about how you can start your real estate brokerage. And is this the right time to start your brokerage? Let's jump into this episode because I know a lot of you are interested in starting your brokerages. So for me, I am a real estate broker and I know in some states they use broker interchangeably with realtor, but in my state, in Maryland, a broker is the person, a broker owner is the person who either is running the company or they are the broker in charge, the broker of record, the broker owner, they own the company. For a realtor to have their license active, they have to be affiliated with a broker who owns the company because ultimately all transactions belong to the broker and they filter under the broker and the broker pays the agent. The agent does not get paid directly from anyone else except for the brokerage. So if you are thinking about starting your brokerage, there's a couple of things that you might want to consider. Today, we're going to talk about 10 things. But before we jump into that, let's talk about why are you starting your brokerage? Because if you're starting it because you think you're going to make all of this money, you can, but starting out, you might not. So why do you want to start your brokerage? That's like really the first question that you should be asking yourself. Are you starting this brokerage because you think that you're going to make like all of this money? You're going to become an instant millionaire when you start your brokerage. You might, but most likely you're not. There's a lot that's involved in starting a brokerage and growing your brokerage. So today we're going to talk about just a few of those things that you need to consider when getting started with your brokerage. So first and foremost, you do need to get a broker's license. And in most states, you need to go through the real estate commission and you need to find out what the requirements are for you in order to get your real estate license. Uh, in the state of Maryland, I believe it's three years that you need to be a licensed realtor. They used to also associate a number of transactions that you have um, closed in order to be able to get your broker's license. I don't think that's in place anymore, but I think it's a good idea. Uh, because if you're going to be overseeing a group of realtors, you should have experience in the real estate process and, and transaction or someone in your brokerage hopefully will uh, understand the real estate process, working with buyers, sellers, renters, investors and all of that. Because ultimately, as a broker, you're really a problem solver. You're solving problems all day right? Figuring things out, how to do things better, how to do things uh, more cost effective and handling issues from your agents, uh, figuring out the best way to do things. Sometimes really having to think outside the box, using uh, the technology that you have in order to drive uh, revenue in your brokerage. So there's so many things to think about. But again, the first one is Getting your broker's license. 
You need to get your broker's license in order to start a brokerage. So contacting your local real estate commission to find out what the requirements are for getting your broker's license. You will need to take additional classes. Uh, usually there's additional hours that you need to fulfill. You need to pass that that class for your broker's license, and then you can sit for the broker's exam uh, to get your broker's license. Once you pass that, then technically you are a broker. Now there's two classifications, at least in the state of Maryland, for broker. You have a broker and then you have an associate broker. So the broker is the owner of the company or the broker of record. So someone else can be the owner and then they hire a broker of record to oversee the brokerage. Because like I said, you cannot have a brokerage without a broker. All transactions flow through the broker. The other is an associate broker's license. So technically you have fulfilled all of the requirements to be a broker, but you have decided not to start your own brokerage. And so you're a broker working under another broker. So there's a realtor, associate broker, and then um, a broker. Then since we're here, let me just mention that there's also the title of real estate agent or real estate sales or real estate, whatever they want to call it. Usually if you're not using the title of realtor, that means that you're not affiliated with the National Association of Realtors, which has uh, other requirements that you need to fulfill in order to use the title of realtor. Uh, so those are like the four uh, real estate agent or salesperson, realtor, associate broker, and broker. So number two, the next thing that you need to do is incorporate your business. And you would need to consult with the secretary of state for your, your state to find out what those requirements are to start your, your business. So it can be an LLC, it can be an incorporation, which is Inc. It can be a corporation, which is Corp or the LLC, Limited Liability Corporation, which is the LLC. So you would need to go through that process of officially starting your business in your state. And once you have that business name, then now you officially have a business. The next thing that you need to do, which is number three, is decide, are you going to have a physical location or virtual location? Now, what's crazy about this is that not that long ago, it was just only a physical location. That's the only option really that you had. But now there are so many virtual offices uh, and a virtual office is really just you don't have a physical location. You're based in the cloud. And that really has, I think, become popular during the pandemic as well, when a lot of people got comfortable with not having a physical office and working from home. And I think that it allowed for more virtual offices to be possible because people were more comfortable with that whole idea of not having a physical location to go to. So when you're thinking about you know, starting your brokerage, consider, do you want a physical office or do you want a virtual office? Now, of course, when you have a physical office, you need to get an office space and that's going to cost money because you have to pay that rent every single month. And you need to consider getting furniture, equipment for the office, you know, like copy machines and 
um, computers and desks or cubicles and a conference table, all of those things would be a consideration in getting a physical office. And then, of course, location, location. So do you want a storefront or do you want an office where you don't have that um, that drive by uh, viewability uh, or the walking uh, viewability by people to see your office and get those walk ins? If you have an office, usually you're upstairs, you're not like on the street. And it's, you know, sometimes a little bit cheaper if you just have a regular office as opposed to a storefront. So just considering those things. Now, when you have a virtual office, of course, you don't have that same type of overhead with a physical office and uh, furniture and equipment and things like that. But you do need to invest a little bit more in technology for uh, your company. So if you're going to interact with people, generally speaking, it's going to be over the phone or video conference, or maybe you have some type of uh, platform intranet for your agents to hang out in. So those are two considerations when you're thinking about if you want to have a physical location or if you're going to have a virtual location. Then the next thing to think about, which is number four, is will you start um, and join a franchise or are you going to be an independent brokerage? Now, from my experience, I have 10 years experience as a broker owner. And for the first about eight years, seven and a half to eight years, I was an independent brokerage. And then I decided to buy into a franchise. So the, that's a consideration. And let's just talk about both of those. Now, if you if you decide to go the independent uh, brokerage route, well, it's less out-of-pocket expense to start out, uh, but you do have to uh, think about everything on your own. You have to decide on everything, what systems, technology you're going to have, um, what uh branding and colors you're going to have, a lot of what we're going to talk about next. But you're going to have to be the sole decider on all of those things. And with a franchise, there is more of an upfront investment because normally you have to pay a franchise fee to join a franchise. You do also have to apply and be approved. Sometimes you have to have show reserves that you can afford to um, start this franchise, uh, there might be several other requirements depending on what franchise you choose. They might have also, you know, they might look at your background to see what your sales were, were like as an agent before accepting you as a, a brokerage. So it's more upfront expense, but you don't have to think about all of the other things that you have to think about as an independent brokerage because you're going to basically be buying in to that and you're going to pay a monthly fee generally um, and possibly a portion of your profits to the franchise for that convenience. So they already have like the brand, the brand recognition, the colors, logos, all of that stuff. They already have the systems that you use in place. So you don't really have to do any research unless you don't want to use the systems that they offer and you want to pay extra for other systems that you're more comfortable with. But it's basically all packaged up for you and ready for you to go. So deciding between having buying into a franchise or having an independent 
brokerage is a huge consideration. And some of it is going to depend on um, the amount of money that you have to invest. Also keep in mind that just like I did, you can start an independent brokerage and then later buy into franchise. That's always a possibility. You don't have to rush out right now and buy into a franchise because they can be quite costly to do. All right, so now let's jump to number five, the branding and marketing. So I talked just a little bit about this when we just talked about the independent or franchise, but your branding and marketing. Now, this might sound really fun for you to do, to think about getting your logo design. What colors do you want? What's the font? You know, what is the company slogan? And just all of those things that go into your branding and marketing, creating collateral for your company, like brochures about the company, brochures for buyers, brochures for sellers, um, brochures for recruiting, all of those things that you know, go into developing a company and their brand awareness for the the community and the audience out there that would use your services. So your branding and marketing, that's something huge that you would need to think of. That can get costly too, depending on how deep you're going into it and who you're hiring as your graphic designer to um, create all of your collateral, like business cards, right? Uh, some people still use business cards. Some people choose to use virtual business cards, whatever you decide and whatever you decide for your company, what you want to use. So branding and marketing is a big thing because this is how the public is going to recognize your company, your brand. And so you want to make sure that you're choosing, you know, good colors, uh, that they represent, the colors represent what you want it to represent because every color has a representation and speaks a message and you want it to encompass what you want the public to view your, you and your company as. So that's a huge one on branding and marketing, but it is something that you would need to think about and you would need to have a budget to uh, do all of your, your marketing and um, collateral. Uh, also in your uh, marketing and collateral uh, would be your like signs, right? Your your signs that when people drive by and they see the for sale signs, like that's huge, right? Because if you create something that people don't notice, then that's not good. You want to make sure that you're creating something that's recognizable and that people will gravitate to and be attracted to. All right, let's jump into number six, which is technology. This is where you might spend a good portion of your money as well. But technology is basically what you're going to use to run your company. We're technology based now. Back in the day, a lot of stuff was not done on the computer. If you wanted to know what listings were available, you actually, as a consumer, had to go to the brokerage and you had to ask them what listings they had and they will pull out papers to show you what listings are available. Well, we're really far removed from that, but uh, your technology is going to be how you're running your company. What type of backend systems uh, you'll use to manage your brokerage, uh, such as like your transaction management, right? Where are you going to house all of the, the contracts that 
your agents are submitting into your brokerage because hopefully you're going to get a bunch of contracts that get submitted into your brokerage. Well, you need to figure out how you're going to manage that, right? And um, what about your finances, right? How are you going to manage your books, your your expenses, your income, um, you know, how are you going to manage all of that? How are you going to manage and run, you know, your financial reports, like your balance sheet and cash flow statement and income statement? How are you going to run all of that? Um, figuring out what technology you're going to use. Now, of course, you don't have to use a system like QuickBooks. You can just do it on an Excel spreadsheet. Me personally, I kind of do both. I don't know why, but I kind of do both. You can decide as the owner of your brokerage how you're going to do that. And like the transaction management, like I mentioned, where you're going to house all of these um, contracts because the real estate commission does require that you hold on to contracts for a certain amount of time. Could be three years, five years. Check with your state to determine what the requirements are as a broker to uh, being able to house uh these contracts. So if the real estate commission comes knocking on your door and they ask you about, you know, one of your transactions that you had two years ago, you do need to be able to produce that. Also, how are you going to manage the, you know, current pending transactions in your brokerage? Because again, if the real estate commission comes knocking on your door and they ask about, you know, a pending transaction, you need to be able to provide that information to them. And if you're holding an earnest money deposit, you do need to also show your escrow account showing that you're holding those deposits. So these are things that you do need to consider when you are um, starting a brokerage technology, right? And also, how are you going to pay commission? Because I'm telling you right now, agents want to get paid and they want to get paid quick. So how are you going to do that? Some states allow for getting paid at the table. Some states don't. Um, some title companies won't pay the agents at the table. So understanding if they don't, that means the check is going to come to you. You're going to need to uh, deposit it. And then you're going to need to cut a check to your agents. How are you going to do that? How are you going to cut the check? Are you going to just handwrite a check out to every agent are you going to have a system that you can print it? Are you going to have some type of direct deposit uh, to the agent from your account to their account? So figuring that out. And then also systems that your agents are going to use. What systems are you going to provide to your agents to be able to handle their business effectively, efficiently, and quickly? Right. So what systems? How are they going to write contracts? Are you going to have the ability to e-sign? We all need e-signing ability right now. If you don't have e-signing, that's just terrible. Everyone has e-signing. So you need to have some way for your uh, agents to have their clients electronically sign contracts. Other systems like a CRM. Right. How are they going to manage their database? Are you going to provide those systems? Are you going to provide a website for your agents? What type of marketing for them to post uh, property status updates, right? To promote themselves, to print brochures for their listings. 
um, to send out postcards. Like what systems do you have in order for your agents to do their jobs efficiently and effectively? And what email system are you going to use? You know, are you going to use Outlook? Are you going to use Gmail? Like what systems are you going to use to be able to run your business and for your agents to effectively run their business? Because ultimately, the easier you can make it for your agent, the the more chances that they have of being higher producers because they don't have to think about all of these things. Right. You just are providing them a well-oiled system of doing things and they can focus on income producing activities. So we want to make sure that we are we are thinking about all of the systems that we are going to have in our business so that we can make sure we hit the ground running. Now, number seven, establishing processes and systems in your business. I know it feels like I'm just going on and on and on, but there is a lot that's involved in um, starting your brokerage and running your brokerage. And I don't wanna scare you away. So once you get started, you're gonna change things. Uh, new technologies are gonna come out, new processes will um, be implemented that make things easier and faster to do. So just know, just get in there and then you can tweak things and change things as you go along. But these are just some of the things that you really do need to think about because you're going to need to implement these things when you get your business started. So number seven, establishing your processes and procedures. So how you do anything is how you do everything. So we want to make sure that we are doing things the right way the first time. Right. And we want to make sure that we are providing a high level of service, not only to your agents, but also to the end client. As the broker, your customer is your agent and the agent's customer is their clients. So you want to make sure that you are um making these processes and systems for your agents to follow. So there's no confusion. So how you do anything is how you do everything. Now, how will you handle transactions that come in, right? How will you onboard your new agents that come in? What is the process to do that? And how are you going to track the production of your agents, of your company? Um, do you have a process for answering questions for your agents? How do you want them to handle buyers, that transaction? How do you want them to handle sellers? What are the processes? What's going to happen when they have a ratified contract? What do they do with it? Do they email it to you? Do they upload it in a particular system? What is that process like? So you have to think through all of those things to understand what it is that you uh, want your your agents and your staff to do in specific situations. So really, their standard operating procedures, creating that for everything and making that available for your agents and staff to know and understand how you want things to flow, what your processes and systems are. Now, don't think you have to generate those immediately because those you're going to figure out as you're, you know, moving along in the business. You're going to say like, hey, this is a good idea. Let me do it like this. 
and you'll put that process in place for people to start doing. And then you might realize like, "Mm, yeah, let me tweak that a little bit because you know what? There's a bottleneck in this system here that I created this process. So now let me just tweak it to do this until you get it right. And then once you get it right, you don't really have to change it unless something else comes out or a new uh, requirement comes out that you have to jump in. So one of the requirements that changed for me was that we were no longer able to pay our agents at the table, at least with our title company that we were using. So because of that, now I had to change around the process for me to start paying the agents myself. So I had to implement a new process to do that. And I implemented a process. And after a few months, that process just wasn't working that well. The agents weren't happy because it was taking too long for them to get paid, which is understandable. Because like I said, who doesn't want their money, right? You want your money and you want your money now. So had to change that process and find a new process in order to pay those agents a lot quicker. And so we did. And so far, it's working out really, really well. So just know that your processes and your systems, they may change consistently over time until you get to a place where you're good and everything is is operating and flowing well for your company. All right, let's jump into number eight, which is commission structure and fees. Now, this is a huge one because we're in business because we do want to generate revenue. But we also want to make sure that we are creating good commission structures that fit your company, fit you know your, your individual goals for your company, and something that still will be attractive to agents. So coming up with your commission structure and the fees is really, really important. You know, what are the splits that you're going to have for your agents, right? Are you charging 50-50? And if you do, then you might not attract many agents. Maybe you might attract very newly licensed agents. Or are you going all the way to 100% commission? Well, 100%, yes, you're going to attract maybe higher producing agents, but you're also going to bring in less revenue into your company. So figuring out what that you know commission structure would look like, what you're comfortable with, because understanding if you have a 100% commission structure, you need to scale. You need to bring on a lot of agents because the amount of money each agent is going to bring into the company is very small. So you need to have a lot of agents paying either your fee, transaction fees, things like that. You'll have to have a lot of agents um, in your corporation, in your brokerage in order for you to really um, make it worthwhile. So just figuring out what those um, commission splits will be for your your company and making sure you're able to pay the bills with those commission splits that you implement, right? And then there's other fees that will be charged to the agents and also to like the, the clients. So, you know, are you going to charge an error and emissions insurance, also known as an E&O insurance? Uh, are you going to have an annual fee? Are you going to have a monthly fee? Are you charging admin fees or transaction fees or marketing fees or snack fees or desk fees? Like the fees can go on and on and on. Are you going to be charging fees to your agents? And also just making sure that, you know, it's in line with 
what your area does as well. Because you can have a hundred different fees. And if no one else charges these fees, it's going to be really hard for you to bring agents in, attract them to your brokerage because your you know plan is just not that conducive to um, an agent because their goal is to make money as well. So just thinking through all of those fees that you need for your, your company and what those commission splits will be. All right, let's jump into number nine, which is having a recruiting plan. So how are you going to get these agents in seats in your brokerage? Because we can do all of that other stuff. But if we don't have any agents with the company, you're not making money unless you're the one that's just producing. Maybe you're just starting this brokerage just so you can have 100% yourself and that's it. And that's fine too. You can do that. You don't have to maybe do as many of the steps, but you can do that. But if you are, you know, depending on what your goals are, what your short and long-term goals are for your brokerage for why, because we did start this by why are you starting your brokerage? Understanding that. What are your goals for having a brokerage? So your recruiting plan, how are we going to get agents in here? How are you going to attract new agents to your company? What's going to make them want to sign on with you? Let me tell you, agents have a lot of options these days. There is like a brokerage on every corner and some two on the same block. So there are a lot of options for agents. And I will tell you, when you have your agents in your brokerage, if they're doing any kind of decent production, there's always going to be some other um, recruiting company or brokerage that is constantly trying to recruit your agent away from your brokerage. So let's figure out how are you going to get butts in these seats, right? So are you going to just call around yourself to agents and try to recruit them in? And, you know, you can do that. Uh, are you going to hire a recruiter? I did that for a little while. I hired a recruiter to um, call on new agents and bring them into the brokerage. And they did a good job in, in bringing in agents. And then we had to train them and get them ramped up to be able to handle business? Or are you going to host a recruiting event? Some people love hosting events, right? They love event planning and that would be right up their alley of doing consistent recruiting events or going to places to recruit agents. Now, once you have recruited the agents into your brokerage, how are you going to retain them? Right, because just because you got them here doesn't mean that they're going to stay. Agents leave all the time. It's a different world now. Agents jump from brokerage to brokerage really often. And that's a whole nother story for a different day. But just know that agents are going to leave. Don't attach yourself to your agents because most of the time they're going to leave. Now there's a lot of agents that they stay loyal to, you know, their brokerage. They're happy where they are and they don't leave. They stay there for years. I met uh, an agent at an event who said he was with his brokerage for 33 years. And I was like, wow, that is amazing. You don't really see that too often these days, but that's amazing. And then after a few months, I saw that he left and went to another brokerage. And it happens. It definitely happens. 
So having a plan for retaining your agents, what are the things that you're going to do? What's special about you and your brokerage that's going to make people want to stay at your brokerage, you know, despite getting consistent and constant recruiting calls from other brokerages to leave and go to another company. And then the other thing that you have to think about is, will you hire brand new licensees that just got their piece of paper saying they're a realtor? Or are you looking for um, agents that have a little bit more experience, have closed maybe a certain number of transactions, or they've been licensed for a particular amount of years? Because it's different you know, what you'll need to do, the time that you would need to put into the agent is different for a new agent compared to an existing agent. And that leads me to number 10, which is training and development. So you need to have a training plan for your agent. So if you're going to bring in new agents, you need to train them. You're going to need to teach them what they need to do in order to be an agent. You will need to teach them contracts, how to write and read and understand contracts. And if they're an existing agent, most likely you, hopefully, hopefully someone else did that when they were at their other brokerage. But I will say that I've had agents that came in and they weren't really trained on contracts and we had to go through that process or they weren't trained correctly. And so making sure that each agent is trained properly, because ultimately, if an existing agent comes from somewhere else, they come to your brokerage and they make a mistake, it's going to fall on the broker, the brokerage, uh, if they make a mistake. So you want to make sure anyone that you bring in is aware of all of your policies, procedures, and you know, how you do things in your company, but you also want to make sure that they're properly trained. They understand the contract. So maybe doing a quick run through with them to see what they know, what they don't know. If maybe they have a transaction that's coming up real quick, maybe just let them write that contract. You review it before they submit it to the client for signatures. And this way you can review it together and just make sure that you're on the same page on how to write contracts. So just understanding that if you have brand new agents, you're going to be the one that's responsible for training them on how to do everything. If you bring on existing, uh, more experienced agents, you're not going to have to do all of that training, but there is some training that you're still going to need to do. You will need to train them and make sure that they you know, understand your contracts. Also, you know, your processes and procedures in your company, um, the services, the systems that you offer to them, making sure that they're trained on uh, that. And then also having ongoing training. Uh, things change, but having ongoing training on how to do different aspects of the of your business is vital for making sure that agents are continuing to grow under your brokerage, right? Because the goal, hopefully, for your agent is to every year, year over year, to improve, increase their sales, help more clients, make more money. Hopefully, that's their goal. And you want to make sure that you're helping them achieve their goals. So having ongoing training definitely helps. 
and how you're going to develop your agent. So just thinking through that on how you'll, you know, develop them year over year to consistently improve. So that's it. Those are the 10 things that you do need to consider when you are thinking about starting your brokerage. And maybe I'll have another one on growing your brokerage. But for now, these are the things that you need to think about and consider. If you can find like a broker mentor to help you in your state uh, with these steps to talk through some things, and I didn't have that. I had to figure out all of this stuff on my own. So if I had a broker mentor to help me to just even, you know, for me to pick up the phone and ask a question like, hey, how do you how do you do this? I remember I did ask a broker one time a question about e-voice and, um, you know, that recording. See, that's another thing that recording. So if someone calls your office number and that recording will come up and they could say press one to reach this person, press two to reach that person, press three like that. I was like, oh, how did what did you do? And so he referred me to who um, he was using. And I was like, wonderful. So that was great. So having someone to be able to do that with is it can be a game changer for you having a network of other people that are like you that you can bounce things off is um it can be a game changer for your business so that's it for today if you liked this episode please please like comment and also subscribe help me help you bring you more content like this if you like this And if you need help with starting a business, I also have an online course for starting a business that I will drop in the description for you as well. If you have any questions, I am happy to answer them. Put it in the comments section. But until the next episode, I'll see you guys later. Bye-bye.